Sojourn, Chapter 2, Questions of Conscience Driz let his vision slip into the infrared spectrum, the night vision that could see gradations of heat as clearly as he viewed objects in the light. To his eyes, his scimitars now shone brightly with the heat of fresh blood, and the torn knoll bodies spilled their warmth into the open air. Drizzt tried to look away, tried to observe the trail where Gwenhyver had gone in pursuit of the fifth knoll, but every time his gaze fell back to the dead knolls and the blood on his weapons. What have I done? Drizzt wondered aloud. Truly, he did not know. The knolls had spoken of slaughtering children, a thought that had evoked rage within Drizzt. But what did Drizzt know of the conflict between the knolls and the humans of the village? Might the humans, even the human children, be monsters? Perhaps they'd raided the knolls' village and killed without mercy. Perhaps the knolls meant to strike back because they had no choice, because they had to defend themselves. Drizzt ran from the grisly scene in search of Gwenhyver, hoping he could get to the panther before the fifth knoll was dead. If he could find the knoll and capture it, he might be able to learn some of the answers that he deeply needed to know. He moved with swift and graceful strides, making barely a rustle as he slipped through the brush along the trail. He found signs of the knolls passing easily enough, and he saw, to his fear, that Gwenhyver had also discovered the trail. When he came at last to the narrow copse of trees, he fully expected that his search was at an end. Still, Driz's heart sank when he saw the cat, reclined beside the final kill. Gwenhyver looked at Drizzt curiously as he approached, the drow's stride obviously agitated. "'What have we done, Gwenhyver?' Drizzt whispered. The panther tilted its head as though it did not understand. "'Who am I to pass such judgment?' Drizzt went on, talking to himself more than to the cat. He turned from Gwenhyver and the dead knoll and moved to a leafy bush where he could wipe the blood from his blades. "'The knolls did not attack me.' but they had me at their mercy when they first found me by the stream, and I repay them by spilling their blood. Drizzt spun back on Gwenhyver with the proclamation, as if he expected, even hoped, that the panther would somehow berate him, somehow condemn him and justify his guilt. Gwenhyver hadn't moved an inch, and did not now, and the panther saucer's eyes, shining greenish-yellow in the light, did not born to Drizzt, did not incriminate him from his actions in any way, Driz started to protest, wanting to wallow in his guilt, but Gwenhyver's calm acceptance would not be shaken. When they had lived out alone in the wilds of the Underdark, when Drizzt had lost himself to savage urges that required killing, Gwenhyver had sometimes disobeyed him, had even returned to the astral plane once without being dismissed. Now, though, the panther showed no signs of leaving or of disappointment. Gwenhyver rose to its feet, shook the dirt and twigs from its sleek black coat, and walked over to nuzzle against Drizzt. Gradually, Drizzt relaxed. He wiped his scimitars once more, this time on the thick grass, and slipped them back into their sheaths. Then he dropped a thankful hand onto Gwenhyver's huge head. Their words marked them as evil, the drow whispered to reassure himself. Their intentions forced my action. His own words lacked conviction, but at that moment, Drizzt had to believe them. He took a deep breath to steady himself, and looked inward to find the strength he knew he would need. Realizing then that Gwenhyver had been at his side for a long time, and needed to return to the astral plane to rest, he reached into the small pouch at his side. 
Before Drizzt ever got the Unk's figurine out of his pouch, though, the panther's paw came up and batted it from his grasp. Drizzt looked at Gwenhyver curiously, and the cat leaned heavily into him, nearly taking him from his feet. "'My loyal friend,' Drizzt said, realizing that the weary panther meant to stay beside him. He pulled his hand from the pouch and dropped to one knee, locking Gwenhyver in a great hug. The two of them, side by side, then walked back from the copse. Drizzt slept not at all that night, but watched the stars and wondered. Gwenhyver sensed his anxiety, and stayed close throughout the rise and set of the moon. And when Drizzt moved out to greet the next dawn, Gwenhyver plodded along, drawn and tired, at his side. They found a rocky crest in the foothills and sat back to watch the coming spectacle. Below them, the last lights faded from the windows of the farming village. The eastern sky turned to pink, then crimson, but Drizzt found himself distracted. His gaze lingered on the farmhouses far below. His mind tried to piece together the routines of this unknown community and tried to find in it some justification for the previous day's events. The humans were farmers, that much Drizzt knew, and diligent workers too, for many of them were already out tending their fields. While those facts brought promise, however, Drizzt could not begin to make sweeping assumptions as the human race's overall demeanor. Drizzt came to a decision then, as the daylight stretched wide, illuminating the wooden structures of the town and the wide fields of grain. "'I must learn more, Gwenhyver,' he said softly. "'If I, if we, are to remain in this world, we must come to understand the ways of our neighbors.' Drizzt nodded as he considered his own words. It had already been proven, painfully proven, that he could not remain a neutral observer to the ongoings of the surface world. Drizzt was often called to action by his conscience, a force he had no power to deny. Yet, with so little knowledge of the races sharing this region, his conscience could easily lead him astray. It could wreak damage against the innocent, therefore defeating the very principles that Drizzt mean to champion. Drizzt squinted through the morning light, eyeing the distant village for some hint of an answer. "'I will go there,' he told the panther. "'I will go and watch.' and learn. Gwenhyver sat silently through it all. If the panther approved or disapproved or even understood Drizzt's intent, Drizzt could not tell. This time, though, Gwenhyver made no move to protest when Drizzt reached for the Ankh's figurine. A few moments later, the great panther was running off through the planar tunnel to the astral home, and Drizzt moved along the trails to the human village and his answers. He stopped only once at the body of the lone knoll to take the creature's cloak. Driz winced at his own thievery, but the chill night had reminded him that the loss of his pivofui could prove serious. To this point, Driz's knowledge of humans and their society was severely limited. Deep in the bowels of the Underdark, the Dark Elves had little communication with or interest in those of the surface world. The one time in Menza Baranzan that Drizzt had heard anything of humans at all was during his tenure in the Academy, the six months he'd spent in Sorcerer, the School of Wizards. The drow masters had warned the students against using magic, like a human would, implying a dangerous recklessness generally associated with the shorter-lived race. Human wizards, the masters had said, have no fewer ambitions than drow wizards, but while a drow may take five centuries accomplishing their goals, a human may only have a few short decades. Drizzt had carried this implication of the statement with him for a score of years, 
particularly over the last few months when he looked down upon the human village almost daily. If all humans, not just wizards, were as ambitious as so many of the drow, fanatics who might spend the better part of a millennium accomplishing their goals, would they be consumed by a single-mindedness that bordered on hysteria? Or perhaps, Drizzt hoped, the stories he had heard of humans at the academy were just more of the typical lies that bound his society in a web of intrigue and paranoia. Perhaps humans set their goals at more reasonable levels and found enjoyment and satisfaction in the small pleasures of the short days of their existence. Drizzt had met a human only once during his travels through the Underdark. That man, a wizard, had behaved irrationally, unpredictably, and ultimately dangerous. The wizard had transformed Drizzt's friend from a peck, a harmless little humanoid creature, into a horrible monster. When Drizzt and his companions went to set things right at the wizard's tower, they were greeted by a roaring blast of lightning. In the end, the human was killed, and Drizzt's friend, Clacker, had been left to his torment. Drizzt had been left with a bitter emptiness, an example of a man who seemed to confirm the truth of the drow master's warnings. So it was with cautious steps that Drizzt now traveled toward the human settlement, his steps weighted by the growing fear that he had erred in killing the gnolls. Drizzt chose to observe the same secluded farmhouse on the western edge of town that the gnolls had selected for their raid. It was a long and low log structure with a single door and several shuttered windows. An open-sided roofed porch ran the length of the front. Beside it stood a barn, two stories high, with wide and high doors that would admit a large wagon. Fences of various makes and sizes dotted the immediate yard, many holding chickens or pigs, one corralling a goat and others encircling straight rows of leafy plants that Driz did not recognize. The yard was bordered by fields on three sides, but the back of the house was near the mountain slope's thick brush and boulders. Driz dug in under the low branches of a pine tree on the side of the house's rear corner, affording him a view of most of the yard. The three adult men of the house, three generations Driz guessed by their appearances, worked the fields too far from the trees for Driz to discern more details. Closer to the house, though, four children, a daughter just coming into womanhood, and three younger boys quietly went about their chores, tending to the hens and pigs and pulling weeds from a vegetable garden. They worked separately with minimum interaction for most of the morning, and Driz learned a little more of their family relationships. When a sturdy woman with the same weak-colored hair as all five children came out onto the porch and rang a giant bell, it seemed as if all the spirit that had been cooped up within the workers burst beyond control. With hoots and shouts, the three boys sprinted for the house, pausing just long enough to toss rotted vegetables at their older sister. At first, Driz thought the bombing a prelude to a more serious conflict, but when the young woman retaliated in kind, all four howled with laughter, and he recognized the game for what it was. A moment later, the youngest of the men in the field probably an older brother, charged into the yard, shouting and waving an iron hoe. The young woman cried encouragement to this new ally, and the three boys broke for the porch. The man was quicker, though, and he scooped up his trailing imp in one strong arm and promptly dropped him into the pig trough. And all the while, the woman with the bell shook her head helplessly and issued an unending stream of exasperated grumbling. An older woman gray-haired and stick-thin, came out to stand next to her, waving a wooden spoon ominously. Apparently satisfied, the young man draped one arm over the younger woman's shoulders, and they followed the first two boys into the house. 
the remaining youngster pulled himself from the murky water and moved to follow, but the wooden spoon kept him at bay. Driz couldn't understand a word that they were saying, of course, but he figured that the woman would not let the little one into the house until he had dried off. The rambunctious youngster mumbled something at the spoonwielder's back as she turned to enter the house, but his timing was not so great. The other two men, one sporting a thick gray beard and the other clean-shaven, came in from the field and sneaked up behind the boy as he grumbled. Up into the air the boy went and landed with a splash back into the trough. Congratulating themselves heartily, the men went into the house to the cheers of all the others. The soaking boy merely groaned again and splashed more water into the face of the sow that had come over him to investigate. Driz watched it all with a growing wonderment. He'd seen nothing conclusive, but the family's playful manner and the resigned acceptance of even the loser of the game gave him encouragement. Driz sensed a common spirit in this group, with all members working toward a common goal. If this single farm proved a reflection of the whole village, then this place surely resembled Blingdenstone, a communal city of deep gnomes, far more than it resembled Menza Baranzen. The afternoon went much the same way as the morning, with a mixture of work and play evident throughout the farm. The family retired early, turning down their lamps soon after sunset, and Drizzt slipped deeper into the thickness of the mountainside to consider his observations. He still couldn't be certain of anything, but he slept more peacefully that night, untroubled by nagging doubts concerning the dead knolls. For three days, the drow crouched in the shadows behind the farm, watching the family at work and at play. The closeness of the group became more and more evident, and whenever a true fight did erupt among the children, the nearest adult quickly stepped in and mediated to a level of reasonableness. Invariably, the combatants were back at play together within a short span. All doubts had flown from Drizzt. "'Beware my blades, rogues,' he whispered to the quiet mountains one night. The young drow renegade had decided that if any gnolls or goblins, or creatures of any other races at all, had tried to swoop down upon this particular farming family, they first would have to contend with the whirling scimitars of Drizzt Duarden. Drizzt understood the risk he was taking by observing the farming family. If the farmer folk noticed him, a distinct possibility, they surely would panic. At this point in his life, though, Drizzt was willing to take that chance. A part of him even had hoped to be discovered. Early on the morning, on the fourth day, before the sun had found its way into the eastern sky, Drizzt set out on his daily patrol circumventing the hills and woodlands surrounding the lone farmhouse. By the time the drow returned to his perch, the workday on the farm was in full swing. Drizzt sat comfortably on a bed of moss and peered from the shadows into the brightness of the cloudless day. Less than an hour later, a solitary figure crept from the farmhouse and in Drizzt's direction. It was the youngest of the children, the sandy-haired lad who seemed to spend nearly as much time in the trough as out of it usually not of his own volition. Drizzt rolled around the trunk of a nearby tree, uncertain of the lad's intent. He soon realized that the youngster hadn't seen him, for the boy slipped into a thicket, gave a snort over his shoulder back toward the farmhouse, and headed off into the hilly woodlands, whistling all the while. Drizzt understood then that the lad was avoiding his chores, and Drizzt almost applauded the boy's carefree attitude. In spite of that, though, Drizzt wasn't convinced of the small child's wisdom in wandering away from a home in such a dangerous terrain. The boy couldn't have been more than ten years old. He looked thin and delicate, with innocent blue eyes peering out from under his amber locks. 
Drizzt waited a few moments to let the boy get a lead and to see if anyone would be following. Then he took up the trail, letting the whistling guide him. The boy moved unerringly away from the farmhouse, up into the mountains, and Drizzt moved behind him by a hundred paces or so, determined to keep the boy out of danger. In the dark tunnels of the Underdark, Drizzt could have crept up right behind the boy, or behind a goblin, or practically anything else, and patted him on the rump before being discovered. But after only a half-hour or so of this pursuit, the movements and erratic speed changes along this trail, coupled with the fact that the whistling had ceased, told Drizzt that the boy knew he was being followed. Wondering if the boy had sensed a third party, Drizzt summoned Gwenhyper from the Ankh's figurine and sent the panther off in a flanking maneuver. Drizzt started ahead again at a cautious pace. A moment later, when the child's voice cried out in distress, the drow drew his scimitars and threw out all caution. Drizzt couldn't understand any of the boy's words, but the desperate tone rang out clearly enough. Gwenhyver! the drow called, trying to bring the distant panther back to his side. Driz couldn't stop and wait for the cat, though, and he charged on. The trail wound up a steep climb, came out of the trees suddenly, and ended at the lip of a wide gorge, fully twenty feet across. A single log spanned the crevasse, and hanging from it near the other side was the boy. His eye widened considerably at the sight of an ebon-skinned elf, scimitars in hand. He stammered a few words that Driz could not begin to decipher. A wave of guilt flooded through Drizzt at the sight of the imperiled boy. The boy had only landed in this predicament because of Drizzt's pursuit. The gorge was only about as deep as it was wide, but the fall ended on jaggy rocks and brambles. At first, Drizzt hesitated, caught off guard by the sudden meeting and its inevitable implications. Then the drow quickly put his own problems out of mind. He snapped his scimitars back into their sheaths, and, folding his arms across his chest in a drow signal of peace, he put one foot out onto the log. The boy had other ideas. As soon as he recovered from the shock of seeing the strange elf, he swung himself to a ledge on the stone bank opposite Drizzt and pushed the log from its perch. Driz quickly backed off the log as it tumbled down into the crevasse. The drow understood then that the boy had never been in real danger, but had pretended distress to flush out the pursuer. And, Driz presumed, if the pursuer had been one of the boy's family, as the boy no doubt had suspected, the peril might have deflected any thoughts of punishment. Now Driz was the one in the predicament. He had been discovered. He tried to think of a way to communicate with the boy, to explain his presence and stave off panic. The boy didn't wait for any explanation, though. Wide-eyed and terror-stricken, he scaled off the bank via a path he obviously knew well and darted off into the shrubbery. Driz looked around helplessly. "'Wait!' he cried in the drow tongue, though he knew the boy would not understand and would not have stopped even if he could. A black feline form rushed out beside the drow and sprang into the air, easily clearing the crevasse, Gwenhyver padded down softly to the other side and disappeared into the thicket. Gwenhyver! Drizzt cried, trying to halt the panther. Drizzt had no idea how Gwenhyver would react to the child. To Drizzt's knowledge, the panther had only encountered one human before, the wizard that Drizzt's companion had subsequently killed. Drizzt looked around for some way to follow. He could scale down to the side of the gorge, cross the bottom, and climb back up, but that would take far too long. Drizzt ran back a few steps then charged the gorge and leaped into the air, calling on his innate powers of levitation as he went. Drizzt was truly relieved when he felt his body pull free of the ground's gravity. He hadn't used his levitation spell since they'd come to the surface. 
the spells served no purpose for a drow hiding under the open sky. Gradually, Driz's initial momentum carried him near to the far bank. He began to concentrate on drifting down to the stone. But the spell ended abruptly, and Driz plopped down hard. He ignored the bruises on his knee, and the questions of why his spell had faltered, and came up running, desperately calling Gwenhyber to stop. Driz was relieved when he found the cat. Gwenhyber sat calmly in a clearing, one paw casually pinning the boy face down to the ground. The child was calling out again and again for help, Driz assumed, but appeared unharmed. <sighs> Come, Gwenhyver, Driz said quietly, calmly. Leave the child alone. Gwenhyver yawned lazily and complied, padding across the clearing to stand at its master's side. The boy remained down for a long moment, then... Summoning his courage, he moved suddenly, leaping to his feet and spinning to face the dark elf and the panther. His eyes seemed wider still, almost a caricature of terror, peeking out from his now dirty face. "'What are you?' the boy asked in the common human language. Drizzt held out his arms to his sides to indicate that he did not understand. On impulse, he poked a finger into his chest and replied, "'Drizzt to Arden.' He noticed that the boy was moving slightly, secretly dropping one foot behind the other and then sliding to the other back into place. Drizzt was not surprised, and he made certain that he kept Gwenhyver in check this time. When the boy turned on his heel and sprinted away, screaming, Help! It's a Drizzt! with every stride. Drizzt looked at Gwenhyver and shrugged, and the cat seemed to shrug back.